0: Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. So today we're talking about love. And it's as soon as I say that I'm like uh, most of you, probably myself included, start tuning off, uh, so tuning out. It's like a, love is is one of the most used if not overused, ideas or concepts inside Christianity, inside our world, and in a larger extent. So it's a concept that we, we can often hear and not really hear. We can, we can be seen but not really see what's going on. And so I'm going to try and unpack love in a different way to help us understand what God has for us as his community. Um, the Beatles had a song that's the Beatles. They're pretty uninspiring. I showed some young people this picture, and they're like, "What? Were they cool in the time at that time?" Like, yeah, apparently. They don't look very cool. Oh, leave them alone. Oh, I've got some lovers here, Mick. <laughs> Dangerous territory. Hey, I was going to pick on them, but I won't. Uh, but these guys—they sang a song. He, he knows what song I'm going to sing. All you need is love. I'm not going to sing it. Sorry. Sorry to disappoint. or um, will spare you that. <laughs> That horrible experience, uh, but they sang a song. All you need is love, and uh, it's something that we hear in our society a lot. That, you know, love is kind of the answer. You know, love is this kind of what is this thing of love? It's, if this is all we need, then that's great. Uh, and we, we know that that God is love, right? So one John four eight, uh, this is claim that God is love, and so this is connection between God and love. How does that work? You know, like if all you need is love and God is love and God is everywhere, then shouldn't love be everywhere? We don't see love everywhere, do we? Or Maybe maybe not in my neighborhood. Maybe your neighborhood's awesome and you've got love in every street corner. Everyone, Neighbors are giving each other flowers every morning and kissing them well, uh, well wishes. No, this is not my experience. So if you have that community, let me know. I'm moving next door. Uh, but we, we don't see love operating in that capacity, do we? Uh, we see a very distorted, distant love. And it's this kind of idea that, that the source of love is God. And I want to unpack this because it's really, really important we understand that we see in our society a remnant, like a faint, distant echo of what God's character is, of who God is. So we see that in a whole heap of experiences. We see that in creativity. We see creativity in our world around us. We see there's an image of God that is reflecting through society in a distant, faint memory of God, the Creator. He's a creator God who's creative and we see creative expression in humanity. It's the same as love. We see a distant, broken, echoing love. It's misconstrued, it's disjointed, it's... It's hard to, to actually grasp what the original source is by looking at our society today. But everyone acknowledges that there's love in our society. It's something that, you know, scientists will try and biologically understand from a physiological perspective. But what is love? You know, it's really, really hard to define because we're not defining it at the source, and a source is God. And so that's a really good perspective for us as a church to know that we have relationship with the author of love. That the source of love we have. And so, in, in some sense, Christians have an exclusive claim on love. Now, that's probably going to rattle some feathers. And, but if you think about it, is, is that their love exists outside of Christianity, but it's a faint, distant memory of the relationship that humanity once had with God. So, love does exist in some disjointed form. But as Christians, we have this incredible capacity to experience the fullness, the richness of a God who loves us profoundly and deeply. He is the source of love because he is love. Now, it's not saying that God is limited to love. That's not, That verse in 1 John is not saying that God is, def, is constricted or def, restricted by this concept of love. But at its source, God is the source of love. And that's what we need to understand, that God is not just love. It's not like this free speech, free love movement. It's just like, oh, love everywhere. Oh, God's everywhere. It's kind of Mother Earth. It's kind of like this universalism. No, uh, that there is a love there, but the source of love is in God. And we we got that. We got that, church? A few nods there. Yes. All right, good. I know that's Sunday school, but it's important that we start at this place because it's really, really important to understand this message. Um, So we see God's love is eternal, unconditional, and unrestricted, and we see that in these verses. And I'm going to read verse first. There we go. The clicker's working, winning. Uh, the first four verses because uh, they are awesome and they unpack this for us. Uh, verse thirty-one. What then shall we say in response to this? Well, if you don't know what he's talking about, I'll give you a heads up. He's talking about the last three chapters. Paul is talking about mankind's struggle with sin. So Romans 5 to, 8, uh, 5 to 7, uh, got, he's talking a lot about humanity's struggle at under, understanding the wrestle with sin. And so this is the context that Paul's speaking from. Uh, the, the, the church in Rome was struggling with this idea of sin and what it looks like and how they navigate life. And so he's saying, what then should we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Because the this, this sin was defining and the sin was was condemning them. And so their theology was a little disjointed. So Paul's like, I want to take you back to the basics. And I think it's important for us to go back to the basics as a church. Uh, is a, I'll just put pause there because the Romans is a great book. Um, I'm just going to do my little my sales pitch. Now, Romans is a fantastic book. Romans is my favorite book, and I want it to be your favorite book too. Now, why? Because Romans is the most comprehensive, complete gospel picture we have. It, it tackles nearly every issue that comes up in life and it, it's such a rich text. So I'd love you to take Romans in under your wing. If you want a short form of Romans, something that's condensed version, hit Galatians. It's like a, reading Romans on um, double time speed. It's uh, great. So anyway, that's my plug for Romans. Romans is amazing. All right. Sorry, I just had to go there. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give all things? Uh, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So what's that saying? It's not saying that Jesus is condemned. This is saying, I'll, I'll summarize those four verses by saying, it's a really simple phrase. God is so for you. He is so for you. He's so on your side. But he's not just for you. He's not like a chair squad. You know, sometimes you see, um, you, know, you know, people on the sideline cheering for their team. Like, go, go Sam. Go Team Sam. Um, that's, not, that's not God. Jesus isn't just standing on the sideline cheering for you. He's, he's paid the penalty of your sin. He's redeemed. He's, he's justified you before God. That is incredible to when we start to unpack that. And there's, there's a whole five sermons on this, just that one. We're not going to go there. We don't have time. But it's such a beautiful idea for us to understand that Jesus has rescued, redeemed, restored us. And I know this is foundational, but it's significant that Jesus has justified us. He's not just our chair squad on the side. He provided the way for us to be in right relationship with God, which is what righteousness is. He justified us. He's the ultimate gift. All right. Excellent. We got that? Sweet. We're going to move on to verse 35. This is where we're going to focus on today. Uh, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As you read through those lists, I, I can't really picture how the scenario would look of someone being separated from Christ's love by nakedness. And my mind goes, I'm a visual guy. I'm like, I don't understand that. But it's not meant to be pulled down with a fine tooth comb and understood in a microscopic way. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, using incredibly rich, deep, profound language to explain a point. And so we, we don't, we're not trying to unpack spiritual warfare. We're not trying to unpack the different theologies in this. What we are looking at is, is God's love. All right. What can separate us? Neither uh, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, as it is written, and he quotes here, he says, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. <clears throat> And then he goes on, verse 37, and this is great. He says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. It's just beautiful words. I pray that resonates in your heart as we understand that we're not just meant to survive. Like sometimes in, in church we're like, oh, I'm just going to scrape through to heaven. I'm just going to make it to the heaven's gates and hopefully I'll get let in. Is a concept that sometimes we have. But, but God is—he he gave us his spirit so we could thrive here and thrive in every sense here on earth. More than conquerors, more than overcoming sin that so easily entangles us. <clears throat> For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the imagery he uses, he's like trying to pull out dimensions and he's like trying to envisage all the things and understand how big God's love is, how rich and how deep and how intense it is. He's struggling for words. Now, some of us struggle with that song, um, Reckless Love that we sung, because it's the idea of recklessness. It's a hard word. But take a step back. The author's trying to say here in that song, he's trying to say, hey, God's love is so hard to understand from our perspective, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I struggle finding words. I really do. Um, I I know um, the authors who write songs struggle finding words. Theologians struggle finding words. Finding the right words is really, really hard. And I think Paul here is struggling to find words to encapsulate and to convey how incredible our God is. You know, language is so limited, trying to convey the depths of God's understanding, the depths of who God is. He's incomprehensible. We can't understand him. We can't define him. I wouldn't want to be able to define a God because any God that you can define isn't really a God. It's something that I can understand. That's not worth worshipping. But God is, is so much bigger than our capacity to understand. So I'm going to um, give you a picture of what I think Paul's actually trying to say here in contemporary terms. Now, this wasn't invented back then, right? So if Paul was here today, I think he would use a microwave. Now, I think he he's the best picture of, of that I can... Use my limited language to explain God's love is a microwave. You're like, that is so random, Sam. Your we- your brain is really weird. I agree with that. But uh, the microwave. You're like, why why microwave? Um, microwaves are the greatest equipment in a kitchen. Amen. That's the only piece I know how to use. Okay, so uh, my my kitchen culinary cooking abilities is limited to what goes into this box. But a microwave is, is, a, is an amazing thing because it heats right through. Well, it's supposed to. The theory is the microwaves send waves right through. It permeates whatever's in it. It goes through it. And so what we're saying here is, is you know, Paul's saying, like, God's love is, is, is everywhere. It's accessible by anyone. It's, no one can, can separate us from it. it cannot, it's undefinable. It's unrestricted. It's like a microwave. It just—it goes everywhere. And if you—you know—if you, I read somewhere that someone once tried to dry their cat in a microwave. Don't do that, um, because the microwave goes everywhere. Uh, God's love. Sorry, I went there. I was like, how did I go there? Um, But God's love is everywhere. It heats up everything. It's engaged in everything. And then you're like, okay, so then we start asking some really good questions. I hope you're starting to ask some really good questions in your life. If God's love is everywhere, how does evil exist today? Why do bad things happen today if God's love is everywhere? Has anyone got an answer? You want to take over the sermon? Go for it. It's a really big question, but we're, we're saying that God is all-powerful, God is all-knowing, and God is all-loving, and his love is every, it permeates everything, and yet we don't see God's love in action in everyone's lives. Why? I'm going to leave on that note. Um, no, but there, there is something, you know, is, is God's love limited? Interesting question. Is God's love... Here's a question. That'll get your noodle thinking. Is God's love enough for me to be saved? You're like, well, Sam... I feel like you're about to start a heresy. I feel like the answer should be yes, but you wouldn't have asked it if it was a yes, so it must be a no. Maybe you're one of them who's sort of trying to think ahead of me. Uh, is God's love enough to, for me to be saved? Is, if God's love was enough on its own to be saved, all of humanity would be saved. Judas, who betrayed him, would be saved. If God's love was enough, because sometimes we, we, we love talking about love in society. It's just all we need is a bit more love, the Beatles vibe more love and it'll fix everything. Well, God's love is everywhere already. Why, why aren't we fixed? Why is my heart still troubled? Now, I hope you're, you're sort of wanting an answer. Is anyone wanting an answer to this? Please. Uh, I'll keep you hanging a little bit more as it's sort of like <laughs> baited verf. Um, but a, we actually can put limits on receiving God's love. Our response limits the effects of God's love in our lives. Life, lives. Uh, we can reject God's love. We can, we can harden our hearts towards his love. So, so God's love is everywhere, but we have a response to it that we need to make. You know, God's love is not something you can just like ignore. God's love is a yes or no kind of option. It's like a it's a, do you accept it or you reject it? And, and God's love is, is wanting to, to, to change and ultimately transform us. But it's something that it's, we, we either resist or we accept and we embody and we take hold of and we run with. But we can reject God's love. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him... God so loved the whole world. That's awesome news. That's so good. But whoever believes. So there's a the response. And you're like, well, this is Sunday school again, Sam, sounding a bit generic. But hold, hold, hold here with me because it's our response is important for salvation. But I want to suggest today, but not just salvation, our response is incredibly significant for discipleship. So we, we, once we, we're saved, we enter into in God's kingdom. It's, it's this place. Now what? Do we just wait until we die? Or does God's love continue to work and, and, and desire to work in our lives? And so there's a response that we need to have. And we need to ins- respond to the invitation of God's love. Now, there's a... It, does anyone actually say how, how to pronounce that? It's in French. And if I have a go at it, I will butcher it. Res- I'll have a go? All right. Respond... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you—you've been uh, a responders. plate. It's French. How bad was that? Out of ten, that's pretty bad. Like, the bar's pretty low for, for um, translations from in my household, or actually. Um, but responders vos oh, plate or RSVP. So um, there's a response that's required, and I want to suggest today that the response that God wants from us, from His love, is not an RSVP. You know, RSVP is like, oh, you know, I'll be there. You know, I'll turn up. And um, if you've ever tried running an event and people respond who don't show, like what sort of percentages actually turn up? You know, like if you oh, We've run heaps of... I think the first men camp we had, we had like 30 people RSVP that are going to come. We had 90 turn up. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to cater for 30 that grew them to 90, you know. Um, so RSVP is kind of like this token gesture of response. Yeah, God, I've kind of received your love. That's awesome. And we kind of put God's love on a shelf. You know, I I love watching in COVID on Zoom chats. Everyone put their books that they're pretending to read behind them. So you can see what they're pretending to read. And I'm like, if we work out exactly how much of that content you're actually reading. But sometimes we do that idea with God's love. We're like, it's put on a shelf. I'm going to get back to it. I kind of respond to it. Kind of engage, but not really. But I think the trouble is, is we don't really understand the very nature of God's love. See, the very nature of God's love is not something that you consume. You're like, what? Yeah, God, the nature of God's love is an invitation to be a part of what he is doing. The nature of God's love is to draws you out of yourself into him. That's the nature of God's love. And when we start to understand it, it's kind of like everything else makes sense. God's ethics, his values make sense when we are drawn out of ourself into him. If you try to explain to someone God's kingdom ethics and values to someone who hasn't encountered Jesus, it's, re- it's like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an analogy here. It's just really hard, right? You just struggle to under- for them to understand because God's na- God's love isn't isn't uh, something that we use. God's love is something that He generates. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the ultimate gift of His Spirit generating inside as We respond to Him, His invitation. He grows and develops love inside of us. See, like, Sam, why is there a bus stop here? Well, uh, my son, this is a really bad parenting moment. I I feel like I've neglected my boy. He's six. And uh, he, he, um, he said to me the other day, Dad, I've never been on a bus. I'm like what? Neglected. Um, Okay. Sorry, son. Um, And he's like his school trip. They went on a bus. He's like so excited about just getting on a bus. I'm like, this is kind of weird. Um, But it was a big thing for him. And um, I've got a bus stop outside our house and we've got this bus that comes past regularly and stops. I've never been on this bus. Never gone on it. And every day, my son's sitting there looking at this bus and I want to get on that bus. I want to experience that bus. But we never have. And so, you know, I put my hand up. I'm a a struggling father. You know, I've got issues. But um, my son really wants to be on this bus. And it got me thinking, you know what? God's love, in many ways, is an invitation like a bus. And every day, it comes past your house and stops. And his love invitation is for you to hop on board where God is going. It's not for you to take his love and then try and use it. I remember when my kids were young, one of them said, I can't remember who, um, kids are great, they give you so many sermons and then others oh, you say, but um, they remember them saying, oh, your dad, if you love me, you'll do this for me. Has anyone had that in the house? You know, like it's kind of like our love, right? How we understand a disjointed understanding, broken understanding of love. We kind of use love to get what we want, right? If we're really honest, and sometimes we apply that on God. But God's love, when we start to understand it, it's a beautiful invitation to be a part of what He's doing. What He's doing on the mission field with Doreen and the missionaries. God's love is like, hey, this is, this love is incredible. Well, I want you to be on board. I want you to be a part of where this bus is going. But we can limit God's love. And what do you mean by that, Sam? Well, we can limit the effects on it. We we can put boundaries up against God and say, I don't want to respond to this invitation of partnering and being part of what you're doing in this area of my life. And we will usually choose one, two, a dozen, a hundred areas in our lives that we limit God. So my question to us is how do we actually love God? You know, like it, we should have a nice, neat answer, right? Because it's, you know, one of the most significant commandments in the Bible: love God and love others, right? You distill it all down to those two things. But loving God, how do you love God? Like, like, how do we love God? What does it look like to love God? And the closest thing we can do is like, well, it's kind of like loving others, but is it? It's part of it. But how do we love God? I mean, this is, this is Christianity 101. Hopefully we've got you know, some really good answers here. How do we love God? And, and the, the closest thing I can come to, my, my best understanding I can get, is that loving God is responding to His Spirit. Loving God is saying yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. It's getting on the bus. It's saying that today, I don't know where this bus is going, God, but I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to be obedient, it's not about me. I don't even know where this bus is going. That's the adventure of Christianity. Hey, it's just, all right, God, let's do this. But we, we, often, we often put up the stops and say, I'm gonna, I, don't want, I don't want you, God. I'm not going to hop on this invitation of you in this area of my life. And what I'm talking about is things like sexual ethics, things like what I watch, what I feed my life on. We say, oh, God, you know, you can have Sunday, but Monday to Saturday is kind of my time. And we put limits, and we all do it. So if you're sitting there thinking, I don't put limits on God. Really? What about money? I mean, let's go there. That's a scary one. How much is God's? And God's like, I want to completely transform your understanding. I want you you, you to understand my love for you and how it engages with your financial planning. Because when we start to understand that God's love is an invitation to be a part of what he's already doing, we start to see that all of our money is on loan. It's all God's. We are called to be good stewards of God's things. That's a scary thought. But then when we know that God's plans, that He is a good God, and we can love and trust him, and his plans are far exceed anything that you can do or have in your own life. Then we start to trust him. We're like, hey, this is actually a really amazing gift to trust him. There's an incredible power of saying simply, yes. What about relationships? This relationship is, you know, I want to do it my way, God. I know you've got values and I know you, you know, probably don't like the way I'm doing things. Are we willing to say, God, I trust you. And I'm going to respond to your invitation to be a part of what you're doing. And I want to be a part of this bus ride for today. Because that's what discipleship is. Discipleship is saying daily, continually, hour by hour, I'm going to respond to the Spirit's leading. I'm going to respond to this invitation of God's love for for my life to align and change and be transformed in alignment with God's desires for me. It's a fruit of the Spirit that God wants to generate in us. And uh, part of it is that we become beneficiaries and dispensaries. And this is the beautiful thing about God's love, right? God's love is we become a beneficiary, so we benefit from God's love. Like If you've experienced God's love, it has this transforming effect in your life. You can go through the most horrific, horrendous situation and be filled abundantly with God's joy. It doesn't make sense. Psychologists will be like, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. It's God's love. That's how it happens. It's an invitation to, to base your life on him. And we become beneficiaries of God's love when we accept Jesus. And and this is the really important thing. We need to accept Jesus. If you haven't accepted Jesus, none of this holds true. You are separated from him, now and eternal, And that's a reality. It's an uncomfortable reality. But if you have accepted him, you have this confidence. But then you have this bus ride of discipleship that we can hop on. God's love is eternal, and he wants to take us on a bus ride, continually developing us day by day. Uh, we've got a um, young guy at, at Youth, and um, he's been, his last five years, he's been coming through Big Arvo, and really great guy, and um, he, he said to me on, Saturday, on Friday night at Youth, he's like, oh, Sam, we've, I love this church. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, this guy has, hasn't got a faith that I know of, or any connections, um, or made any expressions of interest, but he's like, I love this church. In fact, I've been telling my friends at school that they need to come to this church, and I'm like, isn't God amazing? You know, we've got someone who, 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 he's obviously seeing God's community, seeing love, he's experiencing love from closer to the source. And ultimately, we love this guy to, to find and discover a personal, a personal relationship, an intimate relationship with God, the source of love, that he would experience it firsthand. But he's getting it secondhand and he's loving it. And so we become, as Christians, as we hand our lives over to him and say simply, yes, God, we become dispensers. We're like giant, um, what are you, let's call it, vending machines. You're you're like a human vending machine of God's love. And the more full you are, the more you have to give away. And as we respond to God's love, and God does this internal work in transforming us and I want to be a giant vending machine to the world. That's a beautiful picture. Uh, Unfortunately, I couldn't find a picture on the internet that um, depicted me as a giant vending machine. But you're going to have to use your imaginations for that. But this is simply yes, saying yes. It's a simple response, but it's profound and it will change your life. You know, my life, I'm nothing special. Okay, I'm absolutely nothing special, but my testimony is simply this. From about the age of six, on Father's Day, at the age of six, I simply said yes to God. I responded. And I knew I had this incredible, overwhelming sense of flood of love in my life. And it's been a continual, i not always get it right, but it's been a continual theme in my life that I'm going to say yes to whatever God has for me. I'm not going to put limits up. And God's like, okay, finish school. I wanted to be your police officer. And God's like, no, yeah, I want you to go to YWAM and do missions. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and that was a, a yes. And, I, so, and every, every throughout my life, there's there's moments I like have to decide, am I willing to go there? And then halfway through YOM, God's like, I want you to go to Israel. And he, he started to speak clearly, and I'm like, oh, wow. And He gave me a passion and a love to go to Israel. So I went to Israel. And then at Israel, God's like, I want you to go to Bible college. I'm like, oh, okay. It I wasn't the direct trajectory that I wanted in my life. But, you know, standing back, you know, 30, what am I, 38 now, I would not change a cent in my life. Every time I've said and responded yes to God, it's been incredible. I've been filled with purpose and excitement and passion. There's a a beautiful there's a beautiful picture. Um, there's a beautiful picture in Matthew, verse uh, chapter 13. I'm going to just read in closing because I know we're getting towards the pointy end of the service. Uh, in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and brought it. And that is like God's love. It's this invitation for you and I daily for us to recognize and understand that everything we have loses all significance when we understand who God is and what intimacy with Him is. It's the pearl of great price. It's the kingdom of God. It's God's love. And when you start to understand it, it's like, you know, it's not plan A for my life that I would think of, but it's far, far better in every possible way to say yes to God. But don't say no. And there's a danger here. And the danger here is this: there's a danger of moderation. Now, the Apostle Paul encouraged people. He said, because I didn't really have script New Testament written out when he was talking, he's like, "Oh, um, I want you to replicate. Or I want you to to be like me, as I'm like Christ." And in some ways, I want to say the same to you today, okay? I have lots of faults and failings. One of my faults and failings is not a lack of passion. Um, I I, I struggle with moderation, okay? So I want you guys to take hold of that. Don't be moderate Christians. Okay, there's nothing good about being a moderate Christian. I mean, Revelation talks about being spewing out the the people that are lukewarm. God God is like, hey, I want you to be on the bus completely. You're not halfway on the bus getting dragged along, like God is like, I want you to be on the bus. I want you to be completely on the bus. I want you to be on board where I'm going. I want you to respond to this love that I have for you. I want you to be on board. I want you to be completely on board. I don't want you to be moderate. But it's so easy when we try to juggle, you know, society's expectations and all the values in the world. and we're, Because, like, I want you all in, Sam. All in. And... And so, so you can take that one theme from me, okay? The, lots of other things don't, don't follow, don't, don't replicate me. But this one thing, be all in. I guarantee it's the bestest life. It is. It's not just Pauline saying that. It's, it's a beautiful way of living, responding, and simply saying yes to God's love. Because it'll take you on an adventure. We're not called to be ordinary or boring. Awesome. I'm going to pray because... Yeah, I hope that sort of sticks. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your eternal love, your love that un, is unending, your love that encompasses. Lord, thank you that your love is like a microwave that permeates everything, Lord, and seeks to redeem our world, restore our world. Uh, Lord, would we be beneficiaries and also dispensers of your love to this world? Lord, would we love you by saying yes today? Lord, will we love you by actually removing the limits that we put on, on our response to you? Lord, will we be wholehearted in our response to you? Spending time with you, discovering the joy, you know.